friends, and welcome to There's No People Like Show People, the podcast that connects and reconnects the theater community, inspires hope, and strives to help people not feel so alone. I am your host, Sarah Philibon. Welcome back, friends. There are so many ways to support There's No People Like Show People. Would you like to be a guest on the show? How about joining our exclusive ambassador program? For more information, please follow us on Instagram at There's No People Like Show People. And we now have merchandise. Just head on over to There's No People Like Show People, that's all one word, dot item order, I-T-E-M-O-R-D-E-R dot com for all of your comfortable and stylish podcast merchandise needs. We have t-shirts, sensible hoodies, cozy jogger sweatpants, coffee mugs, water bottles, and everyone's favorite limited edition booty shorts. And it's all available over at there's no people like show people dot item order dot com. Each purchase really helps cover the costs of the podcast. I can't wait to see all of you in your brand new merch. Thank you so much for supporting There's No People Like Show People and celebrating the resilience of the global theater community. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. So recently, I have been listening to a lot of really great feminist podcasts, and it's all about women's history and women's rights, women's struggles, and I highly recommend Laura Bell Bundy's and Shay Carter's Women of Tomorrow. It is so, so, so good. I'm about halfway through. They created an album. Just if you are in the mood for some strong women, go listen to Women of Tomorrow. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's available where all podcasts are, are available. But on that note, I am talking to a fierce woman today. We actually met back in Colorado, up near, up by the Rocky Mountain National Park, where we lived in a, a beautiful cabin for two all summer long. She is just, wow, such, I have so much respect for her a beautiful person, a beautiful human, and a beautiful friend. Welcome to the podcast, Shelly Crawford. Hello, Philly. Thank you so much for having me, my love. (laughs) Of course. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Life is good. Can't complain. I love, I actually moved out to Colorado um, three years ago because I loved it so much when we were there. So I've been here for about three years and I, I love it. The weather's great. I love it a lot more than I I did Illinois. So <laughs> yeah. So where in Colorado do you live now? I live in Parker. Um, I had started out when I first moved out here, I moved to Westminster, which is a lot closer um, to, to where we were. Um, but now I'm in Parker and I, I absolutely love it here. Um, it's very, it's still very rural um, out here. And it's, it's only 20 minutes away from Denver. So I can still go to the city if I feel like it, which is really nice. Oh, great. And you know, I just, Colorado is one of the most beautiful places on earth. It is. I love it. And that's, that was one of the draws. I think I had spent my last winter in Illinois. I think it, we had a, a, a record stretch of, I think it was like 
10 or 11 days with no sun um, in the winter one time. And then we had like three major snowstorms. And I was like, I can't live here anymore. I can't do it. Um, and so I to myself, I'm going to give myself a year and see if I can maybe move up to Colorado. There's still a lot of opportunities there to perform and still do what I love. And it took me exactly a year to the day um, to end up getting a job, transferring with my company and moving out here. Yeah. So where in Illinois are you from? Where did you grow up and how did you get into theater? Oh, this is a fun one. So I grew up in the small town of Diamond, Illinois, and Diamond is so small or was so small, especially when I was growing up, that it's technically a village. So we, I went to Cole City Schools. Diamond wasn't even recognized on the GPSs when GPSs first came out. It was always only Cole City. Um, so I grew up in a very, very small town, um, had to drive 20 minutes to um, get anywhere to do anything, to go bowling, to go to the grocery, like go to the grocery store. I mean, we had a grocery store in town, but you know, to go to Walmart, like wa- going to Walmart in high school was fun for me. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, it was very different. Um, but the thing that's kind of neat is that my mom, um, my, gra- my grandfather was a, a jazz musician and my mom's side of the family was very musical. Um, she and her sisters all would sing together. So music was really um, something that was um, focused on on that side of the family. And my dad loves music. He's not musically inclined, bless his heart, but he, he loves um, all kinds of music as well. And so um, I started with dance, really. Um, my mom was a dance teacher and her best friend owned a studio in town. And I started at three years old. And that was really the first time I ever really performed. And I just, I loved it. I mean, I was that goofy kid at like our little um, community, like park celebration that would get on the microphone. I mean, I'm embarrassed about it now, but (laughs) I would just get up and tell the worst dad jokes and think I was the funniest kid in the world. I had no shame, nothing held me back. And then the first role I ever played, I was nine years old and it was at my, my public library and I played the old blind man in Frankenstein. Um, <laughs> and I was hooked ever since. <laughs> what, a, what a great first role to play. Oh yeah. I had act blind. I had a little, little fake, fake mustache. It was great. It was, it was wonderful. Uh, but it was on this little stage that, that happened to be built in the library um, for small little performances. Um, and I, I, that was my first, uh, the first time I ever caught the bug, uh, when it came to everything altogether, as far as acting was concerned, you know? Well, and then I know that you lived in Chicago for a while. Did you go to college in Chicago? I didn't. I actually went to school at, I went to North Central College in Naperville. And the funny thing is, is that I, as much as I loved performing, Um, because I was from a small town and I had a small school, we only did two musicals every four years. Um, so I hadn't actually performed and put everything together, singing, dancing, acting until I was 16 years old. And once I realized how much I wanted to do that, um, my dad was not on board at first, but once I realized that that's the path I wanted to take, um, he eventually got on board. And the thing about me is that I like a lot of different things. I'm a history buff. I love sports. I was an athlete my whole life. Um, and I understand that like for some individuals, you know, conservatory life is for them. 
but I knew that I couldn't eat, sleep and breathe theater as much as I love it. Like I wanted other things. I wanted to be able to go to football games. I wanted to be able to go. I wanted to be on a dance team. I wanted to do all these other things. So I found North central. I was doing some summer camps as a high school kid. And I found North central through a couple uh, mentors of mine and fell in love with it. It's in downtown um, Naperville. Uh, it's only, I think, I think it's a 20 minute train ride to Chicago. Um, and I, I just loved it. And so I got my musical theater degree with a minor in history and dance um, through them. And what was neat about it too, is that in some conservatories, they don't allow you to audition before you graduate. Um, or if you do, you, they have to sign off on it. And I was able to start auditioning professionally when I was a junior. So I didn't have the stress of, oh, if I don't book this, I won't be able to have a roof over my head. Um, and I got all of those kind of very green situations out of my system early. And there were quite a few. <laughs> so. <laughs> so then when did you decide to move to Chicago and sort of tell, I don't know, tell us what your Chicago days were like? Oh man. I mean, Chicago, Chicago's interesting. Cause I don't think a lot of people realize, um, that especially if they're not in the industry, I don't think they realize that a lot of the shows that you see in Chicago are actually hired elsewhere and they're a touring company and they're not, you know, like if you're in Chicago proper. So a lot of the Chicago theaters are actually in the suburbs, like the best ones, um, to get your start at are in, um, in the suburbs where they're, you know, the equity theaters rather. And then if you really want to get your feet wet, um, storefront is in Chicago proper. So it's, it's interesting because you almost have to go inside to get your experience and then outside to, to make a living basically. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of driving, um, I 80 and I, my D 94 became my life for a very large, um, period of my, of my time there. Um, uh, Chicago, you know, I, like I said, I started auditioning when I was 21. Um, and I, I worked in Chicago for well, 11, 11 years. Um, and I loved it. I mean, there were just a lot of really great relationships. There's so much talent and I feel like sometimes there's not enough credit given to the talent that's there. Um, you know, there, there were a lot of theaters and, and two, I, I will say when I graduated, the economy shut down, um, I graduated in 2007 and everything kind of went to hell in a handbasket in 2008. So a lot of these smaller theaters that people were getting their starts in collapsed and shut down because they lost their funding. So starting a career like that really tested me. And I'm sure it tested a lot of other folks that graduated around the same time. Um, it was really hard because, you know, you'd go to the auditions and you'd see somebody there and then you never saw them again, just because you could, you just knew that it was just times were tough and things were hard. Um, so yeah, there's just lots of, uh, I remember driving up to Chicago. I would always park by Harold Washington library because I knew as a non-union actor that if I didn't get seen by, I think it was one o'clock. So after like right after lunch, right after the panel took their lunch, that it was probably going to take me two hours to get home. So there was no point in sitting in two hours worth of traffic. So what I would do is I would 
go to Harold Washington Library and I would look up all these obscure musicals and find all these different songs that nobody had. And I would just copy, copy, copy. And I would just photocopy all of this music. Um, and that's what I would do. And I would wait until traffic died down and then I'd drive home. So it only took me 45 minutes. Um, but I always, <laughs> I always made sure I was doing something um, to work toward, you know, being better and, and doing more. Um, but yeah, I, I worked primarily, I worked at a bunch of good theaters. I worked at Drury Lane. I worked at theater at the center a lot. I loved working at both of those places. Um, Illinois theater center, which isn't there anymore. First folio Shakespeare. Um, yeah, a lot. And they're all in different parts of the suburbs. So it's, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I loved my time there and I did, I did a bunch of plays and musicals. I, I did a ton of understudying. It's like the go-to understudy gal for a really long time. Um, no shame in that. Um, I did go on quite a bit for the roles that I understudied. So that was really nice, but yeah, it was, it was a good time. I liked, I liked my time in Chicago. Yeah. And we actually met at the good old Rocky Mountain Repertory Theater, which that's why I said, I don't know. I, the, the theater is literally like right outside the entrance to the Rocky Mountain National Park. And we lived in this adorable little cabin together across the street from the theater for an entire summer long. And let me tell you, it was one of the best summers of my life. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. It was so great living with you. I remember being so scared because I got there before you did. And I was like, oh man, I hope, I hope she likes me. Cause I, I get like that, you know, I'm like, oh, I hope she likes me. I hope this is okay. Cause I had not had a roommate since college. So I was like, I don't, I don't know, but like, we'll see. And the moment you walked in that door with all of the fun things that you had gotten at every antique store and thrift shop that you had stopped at along the way, I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> I okay so I feel like anyone who knows me which I've lived with oh I don't even uh, hundreds of people at this point in my life I I feel like I know how to make an entrance I usually I, oh, I, I show up with like 17 Vera Bradley bags 25 candles a bunch of like random stuff that you're like what so like your classic hoarder it's like hoarders on wheels showing up to cast housing Oh my God, it was the best thing ever though. And then I won't, I'll never forget like when you left and all your stuff was gone. I was like, well, damn, like, like I missed her before, but like, I really miss her now. Cause now it's like real, real. Cause like all of the stuff is gone. It felt, you probably had a lot more room in the cabin. I did. And I hated it. I wanted you to come back so bad. <laughs> You are so sweet. Um, <laughs> I remember you came to the next year, you came to visit me. I think you came to, to see me in, was it Music Man at Circa 21? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Because it was so close. It really wasn't that far away from my hometown. Um, and I, I moved back in um, with my folks um, after that summer. And after that summer that you and I lived together in Grand Lake. And um, I moved back home because um, I had a relationship end uh, while we were in Grand Lake. Um, and yeah, I was just trying to figure out life. And I found out that you were close by and I was like, I have to go. And so we spent 
a beautiful uh, day in Amish country. And it was, it was beautiful. It was awesome. It was so great. Yeah, it really was. And it's always so nice when I, I really try to, if I'm close by and when I mean close, I even mean within a couple of hours, you know, not just 15 minutes or half an hour. If I'm like within a three hour radius of you and you're doing a show, I will always try my best to come and see you to support your show, support your work, support the theater, because I know how important that is, especially when half the time, a lot of your family is so far away and they they can't come to see you there there were so many shows that none of my family they never saw because they were 10 11 12 hours away and they just couldn't afford it they couldn't take the time off they're like sarah we don't even know where you are you're so far away we we don't even know where where you we know you're doing a show but we don't know where you are and it's you know and so it's nice if you have a member of your theater family to come and and see you oh for sure it means so much i mean i that was the thing that was so, so neat is that I, I felt a little bad actually when I did move out here. Cause I was like, well, man, she's, she's like at little theater on the square, which isn't far from me. And you were choreographing and I was like, man, she's still right there. And here I am going off to Colorado, but I'm glad, I'm glad that I was able, cause I, I, I went there for that. And then I also, I also drove to see you in something else I don't know if you choreographed it I can't remember hmm. um, it was at a different theater oh okay I can't so I, what it is now either yeah but I I, I you were I don't think you were in it though I think you were <laughs> I think I, I saw music and I saw something else but yeah I it, but they were both in completely different parts of of Indiana Illinois <laughs> that whole that whole area but no I I really loved being able to do that because you your home base was so far mm-hmm. um that's especially at the time was so far from there too yeah. so it was it was nice to be able to come see you for sure so where were you in Colorado when the pandemic started I was um so I um to kind of put it a little bit into perspective, I, um, my first year in Chicago, um, that I worked year round as an actor theater performer, I made $17,000 for the entire year. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was the most work I had ever gotten. And I was 31 at the time, 32, somewhere around there. And I think I just, I think I had like six side jobs and just, I was so burnt out and I ended up realizing that I'd been misdiagnosed with an autoimmune disease and it really does affect like my adrenaline and how I'm feeling and I could never, never really knew that that was the issue. But I, when I moved here, um, I, it, a lot of it was because I needed, I, I wanted more stability, um, you know, as far as like a day job. So when the pandemic hit, I actually, um, I had moved with my company that I was with in Illinois. I ended up, um, losing my job in October of 2019. So I was on unemployment before COVID hit. Well, then I, they said, oh, it'll take, cause I wanted a complete career change. I was like, oh, okay, I want, I don't want to be a manager of a spa anymore. I want to do something else because this is taking up a lot of my life. I'm working 60 to 70 hours a week. I'm stressed out. Like 
I just, I don't, I don't like I'm managing 22 people. Like this is just not what I want to do. And the thing that was so crappy about it is that when I first agreed to do that work, I was told that they would support me doing theater or that they would be okay with me taking a day here and there to still be a performer. And it just never happened. Um, and it was really a bummer. So then when I ended up losing my job, um, I was like, okay, well, here we go. Need time for a career change, but I can go audition for ragtime. So like, there, <laughs> so I was doing this, like, I was doing this, like, oh, I'm really sad. I lost my job and I'm making like no money on unemployment. However, I I can audition again. Um, and when I, when I first moved here, I got an agent right away, which was so different than Chicago because Chicago, I, I kept getting turned away because everyone said, Oh, you look like everybody else, um, that we have on, on, on the docket basically. So I could not get an agent in Chicago, no matter how hard I tried. So every, all the work I got, I got my, my, on my own. Um, so to have an agent, um, who's actually originally from Chicago, which is pretty great um, except me immediately was, was so great when I moved here, but I could never work for her because I was never available. So it was nice to actually start putting my, my, you know, putting my name out there, um, and actually start getting some auditions when I went on unemployment, but they said it would take about six, six months or so to like, really, really change your career as much as I wanted to change mine. And sure enough, my unemployment was scheduled to run out March 31st. I called unemployment. Unemployment at that time was at 2% in the state of Colorado. I called them to see if I could get an extension on it. They said, no, they had zero plans to extend because of how good the unemployment rate was. So I was like, okay, well, I have no idea what I'm going to do for April rent. I got hired at my job that I'm currently at, which is a dream, um, March 13th. And then March 15th, they shut everything down. My start date was pushed back two weeks because they thought that COVID was only going to be two weeks long. And then, um, yeah, then COVID. So I, <laughs> and it's still going on. <laughs> yes. So I onboarded at my new job that I've never done before. I have zero experience in, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I do have experience in things that can be applied to it, but, um, and now, I mean, I love, I love what I do. And I mean, I loved it from the beginning, but it was very scary and to onboard in a new job, um, remotely, I work, you know, for the government and to do all of that completely blind and just kind of figuring life out, never being in the office, never meeting my coworkers, except for on zoom. Like it was just a really weird, weird situation. I found myself becoming more, um, we're doing a hybrid schedule now. And I find myself, I found out that I am actually more introverted than I ever believed. Hmm. I don't think that COVID's made me introverted. I think I think I've always been an introverted extrovert, but I've really come to terms with the fact that I am just somebody that can really turn it on when I'm in a group of people. But ultimately I would love to just be on my own and sitting at home, reading a book, working on stuff, or even just with a couple friends. Um, so that's been an interesting realization for me. Cause now that people are starting to invite me to things, like I'm having that hesitation of like, oh, I haven't seen them in forever, but like, do I really want to go? <laughs> um, 
So I'm struggling with that. Like that, I think that's, that's a huge, that's been a huge change for me, but that was my experience with COVID. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and this is sort of, I don't know, a a segue into the next thing that I was going to ask you was what, what are some other things that you have really struggled with when it comes to this business? Oh gosh. I mean, I know that you probably have touched on it before. Um, some of the things that I've struggled with, with the business itself, you know, um, obviously my, my weight, um, I am a curvy girl. I am a proud curvy girl. And even when I'm skinny, I'm curvy. And I've been like that my whole life. I had the body of an 18 year old at 12. Um, and back then it, it was, it was great. Cause I was, I was modeling, but that back then, but the thing that was hard about it and I was doing beauty pageants and all this other stuff. when I was that young, but the thing that's messed up about it is I, especially doing dance too. I, I never felt like that about my studio, but I, I always felt like everyone was always saying, Oh, if you just lost 10 more pounds, I remember people saying that to me just on a constant basis. Oh, you know, if you really lost 10 pounds and, and the thing that's weird is that dance was always a love for me. It was a passion for me, but I wasn't, I didn't have any unrealistic expectations around dance. I am not built to be a dancer. My body is completely athletic. I am not a flexible human by na- by nature. I had to work so hard to stay flexible, to stay, you know, limber and to be able to move the way that I could move. And it was always a fight, but I just loved it so much. I, I just, I just had so much passion for it. So I knew I was never going to be a professional dancer. I always knew that my position in this world of theater was going to be a singer that just happened to be able to move really well. And if I could keep that like ace in my pocket, look, Oh, Hey, look at the curvy girl. We don't think she can dance. And then all of a sudden I'm doing triples and kicking my leg over my head or able to tap like crazy, then that would just be my ace in the hole. Right. Like there would just be like a little perk. Um, but it's so funny because I had, I was surrounded with people who would, would still act as if that was my intention. Like that my intention was to be a professional dancer. Um, and to be like a chorus dancer. And it's not that there's anything wrong with being in the chorus, but like, there's things that I just can't do that other course people can do. Like, I, I just can't, like I'm five, eight, I'm very tall for a theater gal. I'm probably the same height as the majority of a lot of theater men. So I'm, you're not going to get me to do lit. You can't lift me. You can't <laughs> like, don't even try. Like, please, please don't like, I'll lift somebody. You want me to carry somebody, throw them around a little bit. I can totally do that. I am game. I have CrossFit experience. Let's do it. Like, but don't, don't put me up in anything. I had that happen in high school. I had somebody, I was a, I was a base cheerleader in high school and somebody thought it'd be a brilliant idea as a senior in high school to put me in a lift. And I was like, are you nuts? I've got two girls that are like five, two and like a buck 20 a piece. And you're going to throw me up there. No, don't. I ended up breaking my foot. Like, no, don't do it. But I remember I went on a dance tour when I was 19 years old and I was tiny for me. Like I was, I was really tiny and we were dancing. I was eating 
eating. It wasn't, I wasn't doing the whole not eating thing and all this other stuff. I wasn't doing any of that. I was eating like crazy, but we were dancing eight hours a day, seven days a week for three months straight. So yeah, I lost weight and I'll never forget my, my chaperone. Cause I was, I was 19. So we had a chaperone. She said to me, she's like, you know, Shelly, I'm really proud of you. If you could just like keep the weight off and lose 10 more pounds. And I remember looking at her and thinking, I, I, I'm okay with where I'm at. Why is nobody else? Like I love me. So, so why can't everybody else love me? And, you know, I, I think it's kind of crazy. So to co- circle back, it's like, I think it's crazy that, you know, I, I think, I think it's crazy that the majority, you know, of curvy women in, in shows, you know, are represented as, you know, Oh, Hey, it's always about size. Right. Like we can't just ignore it. Like the songs, even some of the songs like about being, you know, big, bold and beautiful. Like, that's great. I think that's great. But like, does, do they all have to be, do all the songs have to be like that? Um, so that's something I've, I've always struggled with. Um, another thing that I've struggled with is, is pigeonholing actors. You know, I feel like there are a lot of places that, that see somebody do one thing well, and they're like, oh, that's the only thing they can do. And then they're playing the same. And I understand it's different to me. That's different than type like type I get, but when you say, oh, that person's a comedian, that person doesn't do anything dramatic. That person's not capable. So I'm just not going to consider them. That's different. Um, and I've had that happen before. Like I, I've, you know, for me, I've quite often played the sex pot or the, the bitch. I've been the bitch quite often. Um, not sure why. <laughs> I know because you are like the opposite of, uh, you are like such a nice person. <laughs> but it's just so funny. Cause it's, it's, you know, you, I, I wish that, I wish that, you know, there would be more chances given to individuals who, who do want to do more than just, one thing, you know? Um, so those, those two things I probably would say would be the biggest struggles, um, I've had. And then also just, as I mentioned before, just, you know, getting an agent has, has, was really hard for me. Um, and them saying, Oh, we have your type already. I, I that, that I struggle with, cause I feel like there's room. Um, I feel like it should be more, you know, drive and talent based as opposed to just the look, but again, those are things you can't control. So you just got to kind of keep your fingers crossed and hope that someone will look at you and give you a chance, you know? Yeah. I, a lot of those, the things that you talked about, I have had very similar struggles, especially when it comes to weight and body image and dieting and, you know, being seen as a certain being considered for this, but not considered for that. Or, and I'm at a point now where I'm just like, whatever, like, I just don't care anymore. (laughs) Like this is who I am. This is what I look like. Take it or leave it. You like it. You don't like it. I don't care. And, And it's, it's so great to, to like, finally, after all of these years of just caring so much what everybody thought about me or, you know, being a perfectionist, being a people pleaser. Uh, and, and now it really was ever since I became a mom that kind of, I just didn't have any time for any of that anymore. I literally did not have any time. It just all went out the window. 
And now I just don't care anymore. So it, it's like, it, it's an awesome place to come from because you, it's like, I'm trying to impress myself. I'm trying mm-hmm. to like, like what I think about me and my priorities are much more important than what other people think or whatever other people think that I should be or shouldn't be, or who cares, whatever. For sure. And I think that that's something too that I, I've always struggled with in the theater community. The theater community, um, I've always loved and I've loved, you know, a number of individuals I've met in the theater community, but the theater community can also be very hard on each other. Um, And that is something that I felt myself almost growing out of. And, you know, for example, you know, I, I approach theater as if it is, you know, a job and it would start to get kind of under my skin a little bit when I'd be like, I'm, I want to make sure that this is like, it's fun, but like, this is a job I'm getting paid to do this job. Like I want to do well. And then there'd be, you know, individual, some individuals that would be like, Oh, I'm just here for like a vacation. (laughs) And just kind of like, I'm just here. I'm like, no, I take this seriously. And then, and then there's also the situations where I'll never forget. It was one of my first auditions in Colorado a lot thinner than I am now but you know my voice type I am not an aerial I will never be an aerial could sing it all day but aerial's not the role for me I was there to audition for uh, Ursula and that's more that's more fitting for my voice type everything but because I have red hair I never set foot in this audition room at all and and none of these people knew me right and this girl, she was probably, I'm 36. So she was probably, I was 35 then. So she was probably like 25, maybe. I've got 10 years on this girl. I am not your competition. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry about it. But like, I am not, first of all, I don't believe in competition anyway. Like you start making a competition it's ridiculous. Like, I'm, I just think you're ridiculous. Right. She literally has not said hi to me. Nothing. The first thing she says to me, she looks me up and down and she's like, Oh, so what are you singing? And she says, just like that. It's not the first time this has happened to me in this world. And I was like, Oh, well I'm singing such and such. And she's like, Oh, well, that's not really an Ariel song. And I said, Oh, I'm not here to sing for Ariel. And I just left it at that. I go in, I belt my face off. I come out and her face looks completely like, whoa. She was like, oh my God. Like, I, I thought you were here to sing for Ariel. And I was like, I was like, oh no. I said, I, I'm a little, little old to be singing for Ariel. (laughs) 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 Don't worry. I think you're okay. (laughs) I think you're all right. But, but the shade that people throw at each other sometimes just blows my mind. And I, I'm not saying it happens all the time, but you know, I I'll never forget. There was another one where I was in Chicago and the psych out, I call it the psych outs when you're sitting next to somebody and they look over your shoulder and they give unsolicited advice to throw you off. And they're like, so what are you singing? Oh, I wouldn't sing those eight bars or, Oh, Oh, well, I, I heard the, I heard five people sing that already today but good luck to you like why worry about yourself like oh my gosh it drives me nuts and so I just got to a point 
where exactly like, I was just like, I really don't care. And, and there are so many supportive people that are in this community, but like, then there are those that like let their own insecurities get in their own way. And you're just like, stop it. I'm not worried about you. You worry about you. <laughs> yeah. It drives me crazy. I love what you said about competition. Like there is no, like you're only in competition with yourself. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. And, and that, that's the worst part is like they, there, there have been competitions I have been entered in that I never knew I signed up for. <laughs> like I never signed up for that. Oh, you can sing a high C. You can sing the high E above high C. Good for you. Right. I don't care. <laughs> But if you want to go ahead and sing that seven, eight shows a week, be my guest. I'll sing the D. I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's, it's just like, I'm like, all right, cool. I, I guess I get to have an extra drink this weekend because I don't have to worry about singing the high notes. Like, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I, I, I think that's something I would love. Like, I would love to be a little bit different is just to be genuinely supportive of each other. Not the BS, like, Oh my God, I'm so happy. I'm so happy to see you. And then be like, Oh my God, I can't believe she's wearing that. You know, I just, that's the part. I mean, I love this community, but I think, I think there, there could be a lot more love for each other in that aspect. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think there could definitely be a lot more of genuine support, not, Mm -hmm. not fake support. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and two, I mean, I think it's important for people to feel uplifted, especially now more than ever, right? Because we're all coming from this period of, of a lot of uncertainty. Um, and I think because of that, I think it creates almost an, oh my God, I got to like be able to, con-. the thing is, if you're in this business, like you can't control anything anyway. So, so why try to control, like, like why, why worry about anything outside of yourself? And then, you know, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people who are having like full on breakdowns after an audition because someone like tried to throw them off their game and it worked. And it's like, I just, those are the things I'm like, these are things that we could work on, like as a community to help each other. Like no one wants you to fail truly. So, you know, it's, and that's, that's the problem is just people are getting in their own way and they're taking, in some cases, taking other people down with them. And, and I really, I would love to see that, that piece change for sure. Um, just amongst ourselves in the community, you know, mm-hmm. um, I really, I really would like to see that change because I really do believe there are a lot of really genuine, good people that do this work and, you know, I, I think it sometimes can get a little overshadowed by some of the, the, the lack of genuine connection, um, that we make with each other, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me because I, yeah, I have also, I've seen all of that, but it's like, we don't, we want to, at the end of the day, we want to see you win. We want to see you succeed. We want you to get the job like that. We, Mm -hmm. you and I, we both know how difficult this business is, especially for women. Mm -hmm. As like, I think it's, you know, 
you know, obviously like I don't want to bring gender roles into this, but just by, there's just so many, there's so much more of us in this business. So just, it is harder because there's more of us and, and there's sometimes there are less roles. So it's just exactly rather than tearing each other down, why don't we lift each other up? And if somebody else got the job over me, I'd be like, great. Especially if it's a woman, I'd be like, that's freaking awesome. Especially if it's a woman in a position of leadership or being in charge of something, I'd be like, yes, that is like my whole new mission statement about life is that we just need more women in charge of things because it's taken us a long, long, long freaking time to finally get to this place where those opportunities are available to us. And we are actually seriously being considered for them. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and that's the thing too. Like I, as far as like people who are my type, like even when, even when I'm the same type as somebody or, you know, have a similar, at the end of the day, I look at it and I, I always understand why that person got something over me or why, cause I'm like, this is just something they do better than, than I do. Like everybody has the things that, that makes them unique, that makes them exciting, you know? And, and I'm like, okay, well, I get it. Like, like, I totally understand. Um, and I think that that's, that's a very freeing feeling. And I think a lot of that comes with experience and a lot of that comes with age too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm very, I, I find, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to understudy a lot of those people. You know, I've, I've understudied a lot of really great staples in Chicago theater that have taught me more by me just understudying them than anything, because I'm not only understudying when I'm understudying somebody, I'm not only understudying or studying what they're doing on stage, but I'm also studying what they do off stage Mm -hmm. and how they treat people, how they treat the work, you know, and, and they all have something in common and it's that they basically come in, they work their butts off, they, they hit their cues, they hit their marks, they're prepared, they go home. And that's what they do. And, and they it. all have, they all have that in common. And I'm like, huh, how cool is that? They're not, you know, doing, you know, going crazy and partying and this and that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you can do that and still do your job. Good, great. I can't, <laughs> I, I need, I need a recoup day, but, um, but no, I, I think that, that, you know, I, I've, I've been able to see a lot of people, um, to, that I've really learned from in that aspect too, which has been super helpful. Yeah. I really love people who work hard, hard workers. Mm-hmm. That is something that is so attractive to me, that quality in a human being. If they're like, nope, it's not where it needs to be. So I'm going to work on it until, until it is, until I'm happy with it, until, you know, the, whoever the team is, they're happy with it. Um, but there's, there's always more work to be done. And people have often called, cause I'm such a hard worker and I was raised with that work ethic. And so mm-hmm. I really like, I, I just cannot tolerate laziness. It makes me so angry. <laughs> yeah. I struggle with that too. I, I remember, um, uh, my second year at, at Rocky mountain rep, we, we did the little mermaid. And I was, I was in the, the, the chorus, I was Aquata and I was understudying Ursula. And that meant I had to, I had to figure out the whole Healy thing, um, which was a delight and a joy. And, and you know, what's funny is I actually ended up loving it, but it took me 
forever. And I was terrified (laughs) that I was going to be the only person that wasn't going to be able to get this healing thing. Chris Davis, bless that sweet man's heart at his, what, Chris, are you like six, five, his six, five self, like King, King, King Triton is like, woo, I'm a Heelys. And I'm like, oh damn it. If Chris just got this, I don't have a choice. Like I have to stay all night, every night, like Chris got it. And if Chris got it, they're not going to throw this out. Like they're not going to let this Healy thing go. (laughs) I better better figure this out. And I tried and I tried and I finally got it. And I, it, but it took, it took forever. It took, it took days for me to, for me to figure that out. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. If somebody gives me something to do in a show and, and for whatever reason, I can't get it that day. I'm so stubborn that I'd be like, oh, I will get it. Yep. <laughs> you watch me. I, yep. I'll figure it out. I will figure it out. Come hell or high water. I will figure it out. Oh my goodness. Shelly, I just love you so much. You are such, you are such a treat and a delight. And I just wish that we were closer to each other. We are literally on opposite sides of the country right now. I know it's the worst. Well, and it's so it's so funny because when I first moved here, when I first moved to Colorado, I had a number of my Chicago friends that were already here um, from different parts of my life. And, and now they, they've moved all moved back to Chicago. <laughs> so, so it's been, it's been challenging, but um, you know, my whole family's back in Illinois. So I, I, I go there a lot. So hopefully we can reconnect in Illinois sometime if you're doing a show again. Yeah. Um, Graphing out there who knows who knows we don't know I don't know (laughs) nobody knows at this point right oh do you have a favorite theater memory or story that you would like to leave our listeners with today oh my gosh um let me think there's so many oh yeah I've got a good one (laughs) so it was my it was my first equity show where I had a role. Like I had, I had understudied equity roles, but it was the first one that it was my role. I could do whatever I wanted with it. And it was Bobby Michelle in last of the red hot lovers. And if you don't know the show, um, it's a play and each um, it's about this guy named Barney and there's three acts and he is in the process of trying to actively cheat on his wife. Um, so each girl or woman he tries to cheat on gets an act. So the first act, um, and it was, it was written in the seventies. Um, so this, this girl, she's the young one. She's, she's, so there's a, there's a younger girl, a much younger girl. So in her early twenties. And then the second act is, um, just like a, a woman in her thirties who is a little bit younger, but she's kind of a sex pot. She's very sassy. And then the next one is like his perfect, like his exact age, but she's super neurotic. And like, there's just, they all have their quirks and he ends up not cheating on, on his wife. But (laughs) the, the thing about my character is that she is high the entire time, the entire time. And then she gets him high and he realizes he can't hang because 
he's older and he can't hang. Well, there was this whole section where I go on this like high, like psychedelic break where I'm like giving this speech and I'm jumping up and down on the couch and, and he's paranoid. He's having a paranoid reaction to the, to the, to the marijuana and everything. And he's crawling on the floor and I'm jumping up and down on the couch and I'm giving my speech and it's going really well. And I just blank completely forget where this whole monologue thing is supposed to go, where it ends up. No idea. So I just keep jumping on the couch and I keep yelling and hooting and hollering. And, and the, the actor, Bill, he's looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with you? And I'm like, sorry, dude, I don't know my line. <laughs> I'm doing cartwheel. I'm in this dress. I'm doing like a cartwheel on the thing. And I'm running. I started to run around the couch. I wasn't supposed to do any of this. I started running around the couch and then I get back on the couch. I did a somersault on the couch. I'm still jumping up and down. And finally I was like, well, yeah, I remember my line. <laughs> I just don't remember the line. And poor Bill just looks at me and is like, just happened and he kept a straight face the entire time he didn't crack at all but I I thought I was gonna die um but yeah that was that was probably that was the only time I remember just that feeling of sheer sheer panic of forgetting a line and there was nobody to help me because his response line was like way down there about two and a half pages and and I I was trying to give him something and I just I couldn't think of anything and it was it was ridiculous and he made fun of me for the next couple years about that but you made it work (laughs) made it work (laughs) you just kept making choices yep yep oh yeah there were lots of choices bold bold choices (laughs) lots and lots of choices Oh man, it was nuts. Shelly, okay, so I hope you're not embarrassed by me telling this little story about you, but I think my favorite memory, because that summer was a crazy, crazy summer. It was super fun. We got to do fantastic shows. Uh, We were up in the beautiful mountains, like such a fun summer of life and theater. And this one night, I, I, you don't even know where I'm going, but you will when I start to talk about it. This is not, an, this is not like an on the stage memory. This is a after the show memory. We decided to have the Grand Lake scavenger hunt. Oh my God. That's right. <laughs> where we had, we had teams of like, I don't know, five or six people each, whoever. And it was like the most ridiculous thing. And we had to run around the town and this was like at midnight and find all of these items to bring back to win, you know, like a spray painted gold trophy. (laughs) And let me, each member of the team had to like complete a particular task. Well, let me just tell you, one of the tasks was somebody had to go skinny dipping in the lake. And let me tell you who volunteered for now, guys, this was like at midnight in Colorado. It's maybe 50 degrees. Like it's not, it's It's cold. cold. Like at night it gets really cold in the mountains. It's maybe 50 degrees. So like the water is colder. And do you want to know who volunteered to go skipping skinny dipping in the lake at midnight? It was my friend Shelly. And, and because of Shelly's bravery, we won second place in the Grand Lake scavenger hunt. 
Michael and I thought, remember when we thought there was going to be a bear where I was skinny dipping because we they just sighted a bear like <laughs> the day before, right where we decided it would be a good place for me to jump in the water and skinny dip. Oh my God, it was nuts. Yeah. I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to tell them about our, our dream girls, our dream girls sing along that we had oh. in, the, in the cabin. That's where I thought you were going with <laughs> Well, I could, I feel like I could tell like 10 more stories from, <laughs> from that summer. Um, the summer of fun. It was so fun. And also in the episode that I recorded with our good friend, Mr. Josh Kelman, he yes. also talks about you, Shelly. I love Mr. Kelman. <laughs> yeah, so, so Josh, Joshy, if you're listening, here's a little shout out to you. Hey, Josh, I miss you. Well, he's back in Grand Lake this summer. So I'm hoping I can head yeah. on up to see them again um, since they're doing shows. They're doing a lot of really good shows this, this season. So Hoping to wait, make my way back up there. Yeah, just show up. Yeah, that's the plan, I think. <laughs> that's so awesome. Well, and hopefully, you know, any one of these years, maybe I'll end up back in Colorado at some point working on a show. Yep, and there's always a couch here for you if you want to stay a while. I'm Thank here. You. I appreciate <laughs> that. You never know when I might just show up. <laughs> that's okay, too. Oh my goodness, Shelly, thank you so, so very much for taking the time to have this lovely little chat with me today. Of course. No, thank you so much for having me. I miss you so much. And, and it's nice, it's nice to actually, you know, get to talk about this part of my life because it's it's, you know, great memories and it's something I'm still doing here, even though I'm not I'm more focused on like the commercial stuff now. But mm-hmm. um but yeah, I, I, I love this. I love performing still. And I love, I love the community and I love everything about it. So I really appreciate you having me. Of course. Anytime. Hey, right, Thanks, honey. <laughs> Mwah. Mwah.